0: Uh, or uh, in your smartphones to the book of Exodus, or it'll be on the screen here before us as well. Uh, We're going to continue in our sermon series in Exodus. We're in Exodus chapter 20 uh, this morning. Well, uh, in 2019, there was this uh, crazy thing that happened. I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but there was a raid on Area 51. You guys remember this? You guys remember this? Uh, there was a guy who posted on uh, Facebook. I think it was. He was like, "We're gonna ra- we're gonna storm Area 51 because they can't stop all of us." Uh, and then the FBI showed up at his house, so he actually didn't end up showing up. But like I think it was like 200,000 people RSVP'd for the event on Facebook. Like they were gonna go on a specific day. Very few people actually showed up, and I think all in all, like I think there was like 30 or 60 people that gathered actually at the gates. Uh, And it turned into like some music festivals and a lot of weird stuff. They did not storm Area 51, but they, they were holding signs saying, free the aliens. The reality is, in the history of the world, there has really always been conspiracy theories. There's always been conspiracy theories that have taken hold. But how does a conspiracy theory actually really take hold? Well... It's pretty easy, actually. You gotta find a fear that people have. Find some sort of fear that a group of people have about something. Latch onto that fear and surround that fear with a whole lot of truth, but weave subtle lies into the narrative. If you can surround a fear with some truth and then weave subtle lies into the narrative, once people are hooked because of their fear, Eventually, you can tell them anything, and they'll drive across the country to Raid Area 51. Why do these things take off? They take off because of our fear. What about the conspiracy theories that Satan tries to convince us to join in, telling us lies and getting us to participate in those lies? Right? There are, in Genesis 3, we already see this happening in the early stages of history, in which Adam and Eve are created, they're in the garden, everything's perfect. And then Satan comes and he says, did God really say? Did God really say this? And he just plants seeds of doubt, weaving lies surrounding truth. Weaving lies in like you can be happier apart from God. Actually, you in fact can be God. And then immediately after the fall, look at how shameful you are. Immediately switching these lies to how shameful you are. Well, the way that we combat these lies, the way that we combat the conspiracy theories of Satan and of the world is with the truth which is why God cares about the truth in our relationship with him, and in our relationship with one another, and our relationship with the world. We've been walking through the Ten Commandments uh, as we've been trying to finish up the book of Exodus, and just to give you a little preview, we are going to be finishing up the Ten Commandments next week, and then we'll have uh, we'll do one uh, sermon over a couple of chapters uh, looking at how uh, the next part of the law functions, uh, what we call case law. And, and there's some confusing laws in there, and we're going to try and unpack some of those things. Uh, and then I'll be out of the pulpit for a few weeks uh, because hopefully we'll have a baby at that point. Um, and so uh, Hunter and Chris are going to be uh, bringing the word, and then Rome is coming back uh, to preach for us as well. Um, and so we'll have a couple of Uh, weeks where we'll be continuing in Exodus, but uh, hopefully looking to finish up Exodus around Easter. So just a little preview of where we're going. But uh, we're in the middle of this uh, part of this, or near the end of the Ten Commandments actually. And so this morning we are looking at Exodus 20 verse 16. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not lie. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Now, this law within Israel was incredibly important because the community, the fullness of the community, depended upon truthful testimony. As we move forward in the rest of the law, there's all these places in which if there's a problem, if there's a, uh, some sort of uh, issue between two people, you've got to take it to the judges to hear testimony but here's the reality, right? We take that for granted a little bit because we have things like uh, DNA testing or security cameras or all, all of this modern technology to uh, ac- ac- uh, discern whether or not testimony is truthful. But in Israel, they depended upon truthful testimony in order for anything to function in the, according to the law. Now, certainly this commandment expands upon that to include any other lying, But the reality is, in the context of this, truthfulness either upholds or undermines justice. Truthfulness upholds or undermines justice. Now, again, certainly this commandment applies to any sort of uh, lying that we might do. Small lies that we might say, small spins on the truth misrepresenting things to make yourself look better or others look worse. All of this erodes our trust in one another and undermines the pursuit of justice. Truth-telling is not simply a thing that affects only you and God because ultimately he is the one who knows all things and will expose all things. No, truth-telling actually does have an effect on our relationship with one another. This command, like all the others as we have seen, right, not only denounces the telling of lies and testifying falsely, but it also requires truthfulness. It requires a standing up for the truth and a not remaining silent. Ephesians 4, 25, Paul says this, "'So stop telling lies, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body.'" Paul, again, as we saw last week, expands upon the commandments to say, not expands upon, but rightly expounds them and says, hey, this commandment which says don't steal also means work hard and then give generously, right? That's what he said. If, you, if you're stealing, stop stealing, start working hard and giving generously. Lying, he says, stop lying to each other, not just remain silent, but actually speak the truth to one another. Not... Don't lie, but also speak the truth to one another, for we are all parts of the same body. You see, the logic for Paul here is that the community depends on truth. Truth builds trust. And community is built upon trust. If we are to be a body together, we have to trust one another. If we're to trust one another, we have to tell the truth to one another and not lie to each other. But this is exactly actually where fear is most powerful to convince us to lie. Where fear is really powerful is our fear of vulnerability. That's why we often lie to one another, because we're actually afraid of being known, right? The very reason for truth is the thing that we are sometimes most afraid of even as we long for it, right? Truth builds trust and community, which is what we long for, but we're actually afraid of it too. We're afraid to be vulnerable with one another. We're afraid to step in and be truthful about who we are to one another. And so we weave in subtle lies, misrepresenting the truth about ourselves or others, or simply hide the truth of ourselves from one another so that we can avoid that thing. And it actually undermines the thing that we're wanting, which is community. We're complicated people, right? We desire to be known. We want to be known. We desire intimacy and community, but we also fear it. So rather than tell the truth to one another, we lie to each other, undermining the very thing that can heal our fears. Of intimacy, right? The very thing that can heal our fears of intimacy is a place in which we can trust one another and be known and f- fully know each other. That will undermine this fear that we have, but we short-circuit it by lying to one another because we're afraid of what that intimacy will be. You see, Satan's actually pretty good at tricking us, convincing us, to storm area 51 convincing us that this thing that you really do long for isn't going to provide what it is you know in that small group bible study when you're like "Ah, i gotta share this thing that's going on in my heart but i'm not going to because what are they going to think of me what are these people going to think of me I can't share who I really am with this person. As we get together and as we build relationship, as we sit together over coffee, I can't share who I really am because if they knew who I really was, they wouldn't want to sit with me. And so we hide the truth from one another. We believe that our truthfulness or our falsehoods won't affect other people, but they really do. They harm the very thing that we're trying to create in terms of community and intimacy and trust. How will we build those things? How will we build vulnerability so that we can build community and trust if we are in the midst of lies? We really can't. We're not going to be able to. And not only that, but when we witness something that we need to speak up for, to speak up the truth for, We need to do so. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to build that level of community trust with one another. Jesus tells us, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, the reality is that we are afraid to move into community together because we're afraid of what the truth will do. But Jesus tells us, Don't believe the lies of Satan. That lying will help you smooth over that community, but the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Now, here's the thing. How are we gonna build that? Right, that seems very obvious, right? Like all of these commandments, as we've walked through, you're like, okay, I get it. Don't steal, don't murder, don't lie. Easy peasy, we're good, right? But the problem is we're not very good at doing those things when we're really honest with each other, right? We actually lie about how we break all the other commandments, right? Breaking this one too, because we're pretty complicated. And the reality is just saying, hey, lying is bad, don't do it, doesn't actually do any good, does it? It doesn't actually transform us. Just hearing the law doesn't actually transform us to live it out, And just telling us, hey, the truth is really important. You've got to commit to it. And you've got to say it. You've got to speak it. You've got to live it. We know that, but why do we not enter into it? Well, I want to say to us this morning that the reason we don't enter into it and the reason we need to to land here for a little bit is because we're afraid. We're ultimately afraid. The same thing that fuels conspiracy theories, which is fear, fuels our lying as well. And so we need to address our fear so that we can speak the truth in love to one another. Now, how are we going to address our fear? Well, I want to read from a section in 1 John. It's a little bit of a lengthier passage, but I want to spend some time here in this spot so that we can hear God and his word, calming our fears so that we can speak the truth in love to one another. Starting in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to 2.6. So it's a little bit of a lengthier passage, but I wanted to get the context to get to exactly where we're going. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. John is communicating to his audience, I was with Jesus. I was with him. I saw him. I touched him. I was with him in his ministry. I saw all of the things he does, or he did, and now I'm communicating that to you. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. All right, so John's purpose here is to say, we want you to experience the joy of this community of faith. We want you to experience the joy of relationship with God and one another. Now, now watch where he goes with this, all right? God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. He says, if you wanna have relationship with God, well, Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light and there is no darkness in him at all. And so if you want to be in relationship, and he's already said, this is the best, right? Right? This is where joy is. You want this relationship. You know what you got to do? You got to step out of the darkness and into the light. You've got to step out of the darkness and the hiding and step into the light. Claiming that you're already there and have no sin isn't going to do you any good because that's just lying. (laughs) Claiming that you are in the light when you're really hiding in the dark isn't going to do you any good Because you're just lying. You've got to step into the light. But you know what? We're afraid of the light. Because the light exposes everything. It exposes everything of who we are. So we're afraid of the light, right? This is the exact problem we just came to. You want us to share the truth with one another? You want us to build community trust? Well, then I got to hide who I really am, (laughs) because you guys don't want to know who I really am. But John is saying, no, 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 step into the light. It's good for your heart to be exposed. And here's why. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. All right, there's a lot to this. But what we need to get to before we get to this place, right, where we are living our lives as Jesus did, following his commandments, right, following this command not to lie, what we need to do is back up to see why we have confidence to step into the light. We have confidence to step into the light because if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness you see how crazy this is? He says, there is no darkness in God. No darkness at all. He is pure light. And if you say that you are pure light, that you haven't sinned, you're lying. So come on into the light. But wait a second, no darkness can come into the light. Because the light will eradicate the darkness, Right? Right when you are in a dark room and you turn on a light, the darkness doesn't just like kind of stay in the corner, right? Bright light eradicates darkness. How are we to step into the light and not be eradicated if we are in darkness? Because Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Now this is crazy. You would expect if he's going to forgive us our sins, that John would say, because Jesus is so merciful or because Jesus doesn't really care about your sin, he's not, he, like it's not a big deal. No, he's holy, he's righteous. He's the only righteous one, as John has already said. So why does he say faithful and just and not merciful? Why does he say faithful and just? He goes on to say, because we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. You see, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because at the cross of Jesus Christ, what happens is God takes the sin of everyone who's trusting in Jesus and places it upon Jesus And Jesus pays the penalty for our sins. That's what atoning for sins means. He pays the penalty that you and I deserve for our darkness, for our lying, for our murdering, for our lusting, for our stealing. He pays the penalty, meaning the penalty is done. It's done. Now, some of you are like, okay, we know all this. We we know all this. But, why do you still lie then? If you know all this, why do you still hide who you are? Because we're complicated and we forget. But the thing is, you need to be reminded your penalty has been fully paid. Fully paid. And not only has it been fully paid, Paul tells us that Jesus became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Right? You get a double bonus here. Your sins are forgiven, but you don't just get like clean slate like, oh, okay, watch out. Try not to mess up now. Like, we're going to wipe it clean. Just try not to mess up now. No, you get the righteousness of Jesus credited to you so that you are fully righteous in his sight. Everything that Jesus perfectly obeyed of the law is now credited to your account. So, you can stand in the light because God has credited you with Jesus' righteousness. Now, how does that affect our truth telling? Well, our fear, we hide because of our fear because we don't believe that that's actually true. We forget that we're fully free. That if God knows everything about me and still accepts me in Jesus, then you also can know things about me and accept me in Jesus. If I'm fully loved by God and forgiven by God and I am welcome in his sight by faith in Jesus, then I can be free with the truth with one another. You see, the foundation for us speaking the truth to each other is freedom. And freedom can only come through the gospel, through the work of Christ on the cross. We can be free from the fear of hiding because God has accepted us, because Jesus has loved us and brought us close. He sees us all completely, and he has said, I love you. You see, hearing I love you from God allows you to freely share who you really are with God and with one another. And the lack of us sharing with one another who we really are is really because we're afraid. And that's how much we actually lack knowing how much God loves us. The answer to truth telling is not to beat you over the head and say, hey, guys, stop lying. To tell you that jesus loves you dearly and guess what when that actually exposes things about you because because here's the thing if we do this i mean I'm, I'm not saying that it's easy right if we do this and we start telling each other the truth about each other guess what's gonna come up it's gonna be like oh well that's not very nice <laughs> i don't like that <laughs> like oh, you know this thing about me and oh, it is actually sin and you're going to tell me it's actually sin. But you know what we get? He says, if anyone sins, repent. Just turn from it and trust in Jesus. It's not like a, hey, I get canceled because I did something wrong in this. I get to repent and trust in Christ again, freshly. You see, our fear is not well-founded. We have bought this conspiracy theory from Satan that says, if you're really known, you won't be really loved. But Jesus tells us, I really know all of you. And I died for you. And I really love you. I am delighted in you. So now you can tell the truth. To one another. Because he's faithful and just to forgive, because he sees all and loves still, we are able to experience this freedom which will lead to us telling the truth. Right? And that's exactly where John goes. Right? What he says is, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments those who, and and, uh, at the end of this one, he says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did, right? We've been talking about this throughout the 10 commandments, that the way in which we obey these commandments is by trusting in Jesus, experiencing the freedom of the gospel, and then by his spirit being conformed to the life of Jesus, right? You get credited the righteousness of Christ. It's yours already, It is yours. It's in your account. So go access it and live like it. You now have that, and by the Spirit, you will be conformed more and more to the person of Jesus. So how did Jesus interact with the truth? Right? If we are trusting in Jesus, in Him alone for salvation, we're resting on Him, we're experiencing Him, we're experiencing the faithful and just love of God, how then can we practically start to live out that truth that Jesus did? Well, I think there are some practical things that we can do. The first is to live in the truth with God. How often are we actually afraid to tell God the things he already knows? Right? Like we are convicted of something or in God's word, we're expo- something exposes something in us And we're actually afraid to go tell God what he already knows about us. To speak it to him. He doesn't do that for his benefit. He already knows it. Does that for your benefit. So that you can verbalize that to the Lord and step into the light. So we've got to live with complete truth and honesty before God himself. Be honest with him. And allow his spirit to be honest with you. Open yourself to hearing from God in his word and through his people and by his spirit to speak to you about the places that he needs to expose. Allow him to speak honestly to you and you speak honestly to him. The next step then is to live in the truth with safe people who love you and care for you. Right, here's the reality All of this sounds really good, right? But you are all immediately like, yeah, but I've been hurt before. When I've shared the truth of who I am, I've been hurt before. Uh, People have used that against me. People have have harmed me in this way, right? So for you to begin living your life in truth, you gotta start with God and then a safe group of people that you trust, right? Start with a safe group of people that you trust that, know Jesus, that love you, and that obey God's word so that you can begin to live in truth with these people. And that will build your trust and ability to live in truth with others. But we've got to begin to build that within this community here that we can love one another in this place. Then, the practical ways in which we do this is we resist small lies, Resist any chance that you have to tell a small lie. This is uh, so super uh, like applicable to me is, you know, all the time when I meet or when talk to people, right? Like the second question is like, how are you? And I all the time answer good. And most of the time it's not good, right? (laughs) I am learning to try to resist that. And to just be honest, like, and you know, you've met people that are like that sometimes where you ask them how they are, and then they tell you, and you're like, oh, I didn't actually want to know how you were, <laughs> right? But, but they asked, <laughs> right? But we should resist those small ways in which we try to cover up who we really are. It's okay to say, yeah, I'm not in a great place. Now, it's okay to not expand upon that a ton with everyone, right? That's not always the best idea, but it's important that we would resist those small lies. Resist any of those places in which you can just skirt around something so that you are living in the truth before God and one another. Resist rumors and gossip. The reality is that if this thing is gonna work, where we are going to speak the truth to one another in love, where we are going to be a community that's not afraid of the light because Jesus is good and has loved us and forgiven us, then we have to resist the temptation to gossip about one another and to start rumors about one another. Now, I know that most Christians don't gossip. We just share prayer requests. Right? Isn't that, right? pretty much the same thing, right? Uh, sometimes, right? Uh, prayer request for someone else, right? Uh, really pray for this person, and let me tell you all the details about why you need to pray for them, right? We actually need to resist that. We need to resist that and actually call one another out in that so that we're not creating space in which there is not trust amongst each other. We need to create a safe place for us to follow God together, and love one another well. And that can't be a place of gossip and rumors. We need to resist that. The reality is, in our culture, this is really hard because we get to know everyone's business because they post it online. Uh, Everyone posts all their business online, right? So we get to know everyone's business. So we think we deserve to know everyone's business. Trust me, there is a blessed bliss in not knowing everyone's business. It's good. It's good to resist those things and to commit to the truth together and avoid that cultural tendency in which we want to know everything about everyone. Allow people to get to know you and share themselves with you rather than trying to get to know them through rumors and gossip. We also need to. Another practical way in which we can live in the truth is to speak up about the truth when injustice is present. When we see injustice, we have to speak about it. Remember, the foundation of this commandment is within the context of Israel and the law being uh, adjudicated through the courts. So if we're to obey this commandment well, when we see injustice, we gotta call it what it is, injustice no matter what the consequences of that is. If we see wrong, we gotta call it wrong and speak the truth. Now, that will come with consequences. When you speak the truth, even in love, particularly in the face of injustice, you will not be liked, which is why you need to know that Jesus has said, come into the light because I love you. I mean, what happened to Jesus when he spoke the truth? he was crucified so we need to know like that's that's not an easy place to step into the truth to speak the truth when injustice is present but we need to do so because in that we will experience more of the love of God the more like Jesus we are the more we experience the fellowship that John's talking about right The fellowship that John's talking about, uh, when when John's writing this, he's uh, been exiled, right? So like John knows what, what this is like, right? But he's saying, guys, we have experienced such sweet fellowship with the Lord and I want you to experience this joy. The way in which we do that is to embrace living like Jesus and telling the truth in the face of injustice. Speaking up when that happens. And then you know what we do? When all of that happens and we fail in doing so, don't beat yourself up, repent and come back to Jesus. Like that's the beauty of this is you are going to fail. You're going to lie to each other. You're gonna hide the truth. You're gonna say, uh, spread some rumor or gossip a little bit. Like that's gonna happen, right? Like John says, if we say we have no sin, we're calling God a liar, Right? Like that's, it's just not worth it. (laughs) What you do is admit it and repent and run back to Jesus. Remember the goodness of the gospel and run back to Jesus because he loves you and he welcomes you in so that you can enjoy this light, see this truth and share it with the world. This is what we need to be as a community. This is how we pursue it, in laying down our fears and calling everyone to lay down their fears, not to storm Area 51, but to storm into the throne room of heaven through Christ because he's invited us there. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you now and we are praying for your spirit to be at work. We need you, Lord. We can't do this on our own. It is not possible for us to live in the truth in this way on our own because we are broken and fallen. We're prone to lies and prone to gossip. All of these things, God, we need you. We need you to show up in mighty ways. We need your spirit to be at work to calm our fears and to know how much you love us. God, would you do that? Lord, if there's any of us here who uh, are hiding from you, God, would you open our hearts by the Spirit that we would not hide from you, that we would be honest with you and run to you? Jesus, would you do a mighty work in that? We pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Let's... uh... Stand as we respond and sing together.